This is a HeadGum Podcast. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We listen to Leslie Phillips and we're going to talk about it today on Good Christian Fun. I want to see my first hug of the day. Oh, no. Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. And we're here to have good Christian fun. <laughs> that was disgraced former oh, head of Mr. Lassiter. Here's the thing. You know, because Toy, Toy Story, as of recording this, Toy Story 4 is coming to theaters in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. We saw Toy Story 3 like nine years ago, ten years ago. You know who the bad guy in that movie is? A big bear named Lotso Huggins. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I'm a hugger, and you think he's a good guy. And, and he's kind of cutesy and southern and warm. But he's actually very bad. <laughs> so it's like, so he louied in the sense of he was telling us who he was the whole time. Confessional animation. Yes, yeah. it was confessional animation. Yeah, and he gave us a limp, which mm. I think is symbolic for his Hawaiian shirts. You know, like we all have our failings. Yeah, Our it was his fatal flaw. <laughs> a Hawaiian share is a limp. Good Christian Fun is a podcast where we don't talk about Pixar necessarily, although often we do, but we talk about Christian pop culture like music and movies and entertainment. Made for, made by, made from, made to Christians. Evangelical. The Christ followers. Protestant Christians. Believers. BT Dubs talking about Latter-day Saints last week. Yeah. There's a movie with Anne Hathaway in it. Oh, about yeah, you a were right. Missionary. Yeah, I couldn't believe that, that's, but that's that was true. Real. Yeah. Yeah, she Other plays the love interest. Yeah, she's the girlfriend. <laughs> she's the girlfriend. Yeah. Good for her. Today we don't talk about Pixar movies, though. We talk about Leslie Phillips, the artist formerly known as Leslie Phillips, literally, now yes. is Sam Phillips. But we're going to need, you know what, though? Before we. <laughs> Before we introduce our guest, okay. we got another installment of our segment. Hey, what's going on with Lauren Daigle? No way! Oh, Dave, you came on a good episode. I'm excited. So, Lauren Daigle is playing Lollapalooza. She is? Whoa! With, like, Ariana Grande, right? Yeah, she's on the big poster for it. She's on the same line as Mitski. And that's been, hey, what's going on with Lauren Daigle? <laughs> oh, man, that's kind of upsetting. I know I need to move on, but Mitski, Mitski's incredible. She's yes. on the same line as Mitski? Yes. I mean, just it's just like a poster design thing. But yes, oh. she's there. There's They're on equal meaning. footing at Lollapalooza. Oh, she's in the new Janelle Monet video, too. She is? Dressed in a big 
vagina costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you watch it, that was a real Which life turn. Which is just turn. her normal like robe outfit. She <laughs> wears a set of scarves. Not a lot of an adaptation needed to be done that's there. What she was there for. <laughs> uh, well, let's introduce that guest whose voice you already heard before. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a writer. He's a film critic for the website The Rap. And you may know him from his podcast, Linoleum Life Knife. Ladies and gentlemen, give it the hell up for Dave White. I thought that Dave was white. <laughs> oh. Welcome, Dave. Dave. Dave, you were telling us right before we got Soon on here. Oh, he knows it. Okay, turn it Come on, everybody, stand up and say one more. Hallelujah, and your praise to the Lord. I can never tell you just how much good that it's going to do you just to sing. A new, new the song your heart learned to sing Come when on. he first gave his life. Wow. To you. I oh. don't know these lyrics. Oh, see, I'm your most geriatric guest hey. ever. <laughs> um, and I, anybody, have you ever had anybody over 50? Oh, we had Caroline's mom My mother. On. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Well, that's She'll me. love that. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Uh, so but you're yeah, saying this is like right in, your, right in the saddle 19, where you were coming from? 1982. First Baptist Church, Roswell, New Mexico. One youth crazy group. summer. That was the jam on yeah. the bus. We'd go on this trips, one? sing your praise to the Lord. It was oh. singing along. <laughs> <laughs> that was your hold me closer, tiny dancer, and all his face. Yes. Instead yes. of Buttercup. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm so I'm glad a, you're here too. I am a huge fan of this show. That's so nice to oh, hear. Sure. And I have listened to most of the episodes. I've, I've missed a few. Okay. Like, there's sometimes yeah. there are topics I'm like, when I find out what the topic is, I think, Ooh. I really don't give a shit about whatever. Wow, yeah. not a time so, for feedback. Yeah. Okay, Dave, send <laughs> but, us an email. But in or general, something. I've listened to most of the episodes and I'm so excited. <laughs> I finally get to meet in person Sally Woman and her man friend. Oh my hey, gosh. Remember Sally Woman Sally from the classic <laughs> ad? Guys, if you're skipping over those ads, you're missing some. One of my great better characters. Ads. Comedy. Yeah, those are really good. I debuted a new John Piper character on this newest That's ad. That's right. I did very well. Oh, you are a real fan. Yeah, all I'm right, I take you. it back. Although it's... Dave's reaction to some of these topics I don't care about at all does remind me of how I feel Caroline feels sometimes. <laughs> hey, that's not true. God, sometimes I always it's find like, the silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, what okay, you love every single thing. Me. All of them equally. Although, if listeners do want a cheat sheet for which episodes I think you could skip over, slide into my DMs. <laughs> Don't ask for that. That's no, so rude. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, I would never. I would episodes. never do Y'all, that. Don't be like me and skip um, over the stuff that you think uh, is going to be. <laughs> thank you. Listen to Dave. Not what but you want. Here's the reality of creative output: is you put out. This is our 78th episode. So you put out 78 of them. One of them's going to be your best. One of them's going to be your 78th best. Doesn't mean necessarily it's crap. I will say this. Even the ones that I listened to where I thought, I don't know what this is and I don't care about it. And then I listened anyway. Y'all are thoroughly entertaining. Yeah, good time? All righty. See? Uh, the That's Glenn Weldon model. Yeah. <laughs> Just have a good time. Um, I'm so glad we had you on this one, too, because right before we started recording, you said you've been really intrigued by Daigle yourself lately. Because of you guys. <laughs> I had yourself. never heard oh, no. of her. I had never heard of her until you guys talked about her. I never heard of her until Kevin and, became obsessed with her. And then when you talked about her, I thought, <laughs> oh, shit. This this poor woman's in trouble right now. Yeah. And she can't get out of it. Yeah, I yeah. think... I think uh, we're in a dormant stage with it right now. No one's been grilling her too terribly much since, but it's going to come up again. 
And when it does, she's going to plant her foot one, one way or the other. Right. Let's but see if she pulls a Pratt or, uh, I don't know. God like, is real. Poo, Lady poo, Gaga. Pee, pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is his kind of reaction to it. But right. yeah, Pratt's a great example. That's why he's my hero. There, there's a great think piece to, <laughs> to be written about the kind of uh, yin and yang of Christian celebrity as they're performed in secular and Christian spaces and how the dividing line of, of what your stance is on LGBTQ people is right. untenable each way mm-hmm. because Daigle and Pratt are both losing the game. They're both losing yeah. and they don't, maybe they don't know it yet, but uh, they're losing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he knows it yet. I think she knows it more than he does. It's, I think it's simply because women are treated worse. Sure. At, it, just in the world of celebrities mm-hmm. in general, but like he, I don't think he knows it yet. Because I can't tell you the number of people on Twitter that I've run across who are like, Chris Pratt's canceled. And I'm like, yeah, but what did he actually do? Like, did he do something wrong? He didn't really do something wrong. It's like a feeling. He just goes to a church that has some bullshitty ideas about queer people. Guess what? They all do. So if you're going to cancel Chris Pratt, you kind of have to cancel your... You know, your aunt who goes to church on Sunday and the conservative congregation that she goes to. I do like the idea yeah. of people canceling their aunt. Yeah. You're canceled. That aunt, would be aunt May, hilarious. Aunt <laughs> Wait, does canceled mean like you're going to hate that person now or you're just going to ignore them? They're dead to you. They're dead to you. They're dead to you. Yeah, that doesn't, yeah, I think, which I think does mean ignore I have them. no Chris Pratt. Yeah. <laughs> Like canceling our Kelly. But he's the of the galaxy. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Oh. I realize we're hitting a very sensitive spot for Carol. Yeah. I'm in a real pickle right now. Like, on one hand, I do feel a moral responsibility, but on the other hand, they just rehired James Gunn, he's which is Rockets what I've been praying pal. for every night. <laughs> Good grief. Well, Dave, what is your history with faith and religion? Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Fantastic. Um. I was nine years old, and my oldest brother uh, started coming home with Larry Norman Records. Uh-oh. He was sixteen. The Gateway. And second chapter, of, second chapter of Acts Records. Have you guys heard second chapter of Acts? No, I don't think so. They're so great. Yeah. What kind of oh, genre? Yeah. Um. Well, all the Christian music of the seventies was hippie shit, mm-hmm. and so the, the second chapter of Acts. <laughs> were a br- two sisters and a brother mm-hmm. and they sang together with the most you know glorious harmonies mm. and most of their songs were you know verses most of the songs were written just from bible verses if this gives um, you a feel for the, yeah. these people wow, that was them the in the late hair. 70s they wow. all had amazing hair dang it is hippie shit <laughs> gorgeous Hi, hi. Beautiful it. records. Like, I had no idea who they were. I was just like, play that one again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, you know, a child. Right. Larry Norman seemed upset, grimy, and he looked like he hadn't bathed in a while. Yeah. And I just, he scared me. So I didn't want anything to do with him. <laughs> he was a mad swamp creature. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my oldest brother started taking me and my little brother to church with him at this Assembly of God church. The reason this happened was because he got hooked up with a group of kids 
in his high school who were all part of that church. And they were all very, I I mentioned the Larry Norman records and the the second chapter of Acts records, because that whole time in the 70s was really influenced by the Jesus people movement, all the counterculture, you know, hippies who didn't want to do LSD anymore. (laughs) And they all got, they all became Christian. Like Larry Norman used to leave his job at the Capitol Records building take his guitar and walk down to Hollywood Boulevard and walk down Hollywood Boulevard, strumming his guitar, saving people. Like he was the evangelist on the street, like literally, because this was, you know, 1969, 1970. Right. So Hollywood Boulevard at the time. The Hollywood Boulevard at the time. Wading through trash, right? Yeah. And all those runaway kids (laughs) and everything. Like he's inadvertently responsible for Jews for Jesus because one of the the young women that he evangelized on the street Founded Jews for Jesus. Right. Oh no way! Yeah. Now there was a Jews for Jesus at uh, right by my college campus, and that's where we had like all of our campus crusade dances yeah. and parties. I keep hearing Juice for Jesus in my head, like a smoothie place where they put like a Bible <laughs> apple, verse on the orange, cran- cranberry, yeah, cran raspberry. <laughs> well, my wife got me the apple smoothie, so I'm not sinning. <laughs> so it's her fault. Uh, and and so this all came about because my family was disintegrating. My parents were divorcing. My father's an alcoholic. The, you name a thing that could go wrong in a family, and it went wrong in my family. Mm. We were living with my father, and he was spinning out of control. And my mom was gone. Very Kramer versus Kramer meets the trailer park. Like, I have cousins who've all done time. Like, it's it's a wacky family. It's real. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you feel like your brother kind of stepped in and take care of you did. all? He was the de facto this. parent. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so he brought us to church. I was in a Sunday school class one day, and the Sunday school teacher, who was all of 17 years old herself, said, have you accepted Jesus in your heart? And I said, I don't, what's that? I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. She said, well, to be a Christian, you have to accept Jesus in your heart. And if you want to go to heaven, that's what you do. And if you don't do it, then when you die, you go to hell. And in hell, you burn forever. And you could die at any time. You could die tonight in your sleep. So. Airtight. That night, I was going to bed, and I saw, and I just prayed, and I was like, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to be a Christian. Come into my heart. Hmm. The end. I would love to meet the child who hears that pitch and says, like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Risk it. <laughs> like, like this well, you instill, when you, you instill terror in a child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you instill terror in a child like that, they're immediately, if they're of any, you know. If they have any self-preservation, yeah. they're going to be like, yes. yeah, okay, yeah. please. So that's what I did. Yeah. And uh, I kept going back to church with him. I was mostly freaked out by church because in the Assembly of God Church, perhaps you know this, a lot of speaking in tongues, yeah. the hands in the air, uh, people healing you, but not healing you. You know, I, I remember I was 10. I had to go to the dentist. I had a toothache. Uh, but the, my brother brought me up to the, to the preacher and he put oil on my forehead and he was like, Satan, come out of the tooth, you know, Whoa. and I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, it's just plaque. Did it work? <laughs> uh, if, strangely enough, it did not work. Yeah. Um, so that that lasted until I was twenty four. Wow, years that's old. a long period. I was. So you were like sold out. I was into, into it. it. Yeah. yeah I when I was fourteen, we had moved to uh, live with my mother and my new 
stepfather, also an alcoholic. <laughs> you do for a punch card, yeah. a free one. The, yeah. um, we, uh, we moved down to her hometown, Roswell, New Mexico. Oh. And and the answer to any question you have about Roswell, New Mexico, is no. I, I know. I realized my <laughs> first instinct was like aliens. And I was like, don't be dumb, Caroline. Don't be dumb. Shut up. <laughs> it's 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 it was funny. Um, this is the thing I say to everybody in the in the 1970s. The most the most exciting thing about Roswell, New Mexico, to the population of Roswell, New Mexico, was that John Denver had been born there. Oh yeah, he's great. In the 1980s, the most exciting thing about Roswell, New Mexico, to the population of Roswell, New Mexico, was that Demi Moore had been born there. Oh, yeah. Cool. That uh, is exciting. And then the X Files came on TV. <laughs> Keep that in mind next time you watch striptease. So when I was 14, they get up in the the preachers get up in the pulpit and they say, "Are you sure that you're saved?" Right. My favorite expression of all time. Do you know that you know? This is a long period you were in. It. I mean, yeah. even part of your adulthood. Like, yeah. was there something positive that was keeping you engaged and yes. loving it? I craved structure and rules and normalcy and constancy. I remember being five years old and asking my mother after watching Davy and Goliath on TV every Sunday morning, why don't we go to church? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because on Davy and Goliath, they go to church and they seem pretty peaceful and chill and, and happy smooth and, and normal small. and good yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and my mother said I, I don't know we just don't mm. and i just thought there's something wrong with us <laughs> yeah yeah that's always a funny nice uh, people on tv go to church mm-hmm. yeah. so we're not nice people and and, <laughs> and here's the proof like the proof is that everything's imploding in this house right so when you are when you're a kid who lives in chaos and with dysfunction and addiction and, you know, neglect and abandonment and everything else, you begin to think, where can I go? Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to be my family? Yeah. And so you go to those places and that place is the church where they will give you all the structure and the rules that you want. Even some you don't want. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> more than you ever dreamed of. And then... Rules, you say? We got <laughs> We got them for you. Yeah. Here, this boy lacks rules. And the further along I went, we moved again, of course. When, you're, when your stepfather has exhausted all the job possibilities in one small town, you move to the neighboring small town where no one knows you and you can start over. Mm. And so we did. We moved to another little town called Hobbs, New Mexico, which is on the Texas border. And I wound up at a church there, Calvary Baptist Temple. I was asked by my youth pastor to sing in the, in the church choir because they did not have enough baritones. And I was, at 17, I already had the voice kind of that I have now. <laughs> and he said, I need a baritone. I said, okay, I'll be, I'll be in the choir. And he whips this contract out. There be, was paperwork? There was paperwork. You, if you were a kid, a teenager in the youth group, you could not go to the movies. You could not go to the school dances. They discouraged you from wearing shorts, even in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, no co-ed anything, unless it was a, a, a lock-in. Yeah, I grew up with a like a family of kids. There were like six or seven of the kids. I was pretty tight with uh, me and my brother. were good friends with them. And uh, they went to a church like this. And I remember them taking us. And I remember like all the sisters being in long skirts in Lake Elsinore, which is like deep desert California. Right, right, so right. Hot. <laughs> oh. And their uh, their loophole was they would rent movies from Blockbuster instead of going to movies. And so we found a way. <laughs> <to> <laughs> Wait, how things. is that a loophole? 
Um, is it so? Was it the, it? Was the sin? Oh, oh! Yeah. I remember asking them about this. Of like, oh, but I thought you weren't allowed to watch movies, and they were like, honestly, they don't care. It's just my mom doesn't want us to be seen by other church people going to the movies. Yeah, I was about right. to say it was like literally appearances. Yeah, yeah. yeah basically. So like the attendance at movie theaters was scandalous. Yeah, I can't imagine a church like that existing now, but surely one does. Oh, I'm oh surely they do. do because most of the kids that I went to school with who were in that youth group wound up going to Liberty University. Oh. That they were Hell yeah. co- co- deeply <laughs> informed DC talk. Absolutely <laughs> affiliated with yeah. that uh, university. Yeah. Hmm. It was like a pipeline. We were poor and we could not afford to send me to Liberty University. Yeah. And when I heard the rules uh, about Liberty University, which were even crazier than the ones at my church, I thought, no, 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 no. Yeah. Again, I, I can't. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Not for what me. was your impression of that church when you were there? Did you enjoy it? Did you like um, it? Again, I enjoyed the structure. Yeah. And I enjoyed having friends. Everyone was like, yay, let's go have pizza. And so I thought, okay, great, I have friends. That's all I really wanted. And I signed that contract to sing in the choir, but I didn't obey any of the rules because it was a little tiny town. There were two movie theaters, and that was literally all there was to do <laughs> in that town. It was it was good to be with friends. It was bad to be constantly afraid that I was doing Jesus wrong, that I was making him angry, that I was uh, always, again, always in danger of losing my salvation. But then things started to crack a little bit. They invited an anti-rock and roll preacher to speak to the kids. Hmm. And do you think stance? that career path is still viable? I don't know. <laughs> I'll cool. do it. I will. <laughs> Why not? I don't care for rock this and roll isn't that much. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine as a genre. <laughs> and the weird, the weird thing about it was that two weeks before this dude showed up in Sunday school, the youth pastor handed us all little pieces of paper and said, write down the names of your favorite bands. You just killed them. How? <laughs> it was an absolute trap. And the way I found out it was a trap was because I happened to be the lone kid in the youth group that was getting into punk rock and new wave. And so all the bands I listed were weird, weird bands that no one else listed. <laughs> so they probably didn't even know, like, wait, are they Scripture? They had no, idea. Like, no, they had no idea. This guy had mm. no <laughs> idea. Uh, no. And he got up, This he came to town, he got up in the pulpit, and he listed verbatim all these new wave and punk rock bands that I listed on my list. And I thought, you don't know who these people are. You have no idea who these people are. You're faking this. And I don't have to listen to a word you say. Uh, I went up to him and I said, well, what about blah, 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 made up band name? Oh, you did the Kimmel on Uh-huh. Wow. Uh-huh. And he goes, well, they're preach, they preach rebellion. And I said, I just made it up. He said, young man, you need to search your heart. <laughs> <laughs> and give it a high five for being so clever. Yeah. Um, but that was the first crack in it. After that, I thought, I have to start paying attention. What they're telling me is true and not true. Like, I have to start being not, discerning. I have to way, start yeah. not behaving. Because I was good. I was so good. I didn't touch a drop of alcohol. You know, I didn't have any, you know, I didn't date. You know, that was sort of helpful yeah. in a bizarre way uh, <laughs> all through the 80s uh, as I learned that the thing that I was probably 
going to be meant that I was also going to die. And so that was another layer of fear. Um, and that kept me close to the church and it kept me in the closet, uh, until 1989. So I got to college and I went to college at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas. Hey. And I immediately started going to First Baptist Church in Lubbock, Texas. And there was a huge university program there, like its own separate thing. Oh, of. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. their college ministry mm-hmm. was just for and the it was, Texas there, Tech there was kids. a service just for them. Oh. <laughs> it was that big. Dang. It's 1984. The election's happening and I can vote for the first time. Someone goes to the to the front. He was giving his testimony and he said, I just want everybody. He said, I'm going to vote for the first time. He was my age. He said, and we just can't let Mondale get in the White House. <laughs> and everyone went, whoa. And they all were like, amen. What was, who is the Republican that year? Ronald Reagan. Reagan. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't laugh at me like I'm a dumbass. <laughs> who was running for president in the 80s? <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention to that. I was listening to my guests. I was in his world, okay? Well, no, you're right. I, I was too busy thinking about the dates. It's multitasking to listen to a person and know. Oh, well, you sure you were logging the year? At the same time. <laughs> you were like, oh, 1989. Yeah, I was uh, a seaman. <laughs> I was a seaman. Oh, come on. Which my dad did. Uh, anyway, sorry. Good grief. That's our little sorry, you private had to see spat. That. <laughs> Embarrassing. Um, yeah, and that was the first time I ever heard anybody say or Explicitly, suggest. Explicitly, like, this is what we're political we're, about this. Yeah. We're Republicans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, I'm, I'm voting for Mondale. I, there was not any question in my head that I was voting for Mondale. Yeah. Because I knew Reagan was a fucking monster. Well... And that's, and that's the thing that people like. forget. Who? People who were not alive in the 80s or who were very young in the 80s, you can be taught a version of the 1980s that involved a smiling grandpa president and a lot of Wang Chung. And that was the 80s. Everyone was having a great time. Mm-hmm. A lot of wealth. And everyone was getting money. Mm-hmm. And Ronald Reagan was everybody's favorite, you know, grandpappy in the White House. And it was exactly the opposite of that. It was terrible. It was awful. It was a... It was a fearful time. That is funny how easily that recent history is so shaped for us and inherited because I do remember, yeah, Reagan and Bush one kind of being almost in a Protestant way, Mm -hmm. like the way saints are for for Catholics. They're kind of saints for Protestant Christian conservatives in a lot of ways, and, yeah. and they're they're regarded, and and the same way you wouldn't speak ill of Saint Francis or Mother Mary or something like that, like you wouldn't say this or that of, right. of a Reagan or a <laughs> the, yeah. the the to this day he is one of our most beloved contemporary presidents, and I just remember it's gonna be tough when he dies. <laughs> oh, okay. People love him. <laughs> It's gonna be really sad. Oh, I, I, I yeah, come talk to me after the podcast. Okay. <laughs> I just remember there was a Morrissey record that came out in, I guess it was 89, and the song was called Margaret on the Guillotine. Oh, and the lyrics uh, go, People like you make me feel so tired. When will you die? And I remember listening to that song thinking, Yeah, when? <laughs> You and fucking Reagan. Like, it was like that for me. Yeah. Okay, so you I were in First Baptist. I became very political okay. in a very lefty way. Um, Where'd that come from? I mean... Uh, it came just from my own sense of, of what I thought the world should be like. Yeah. You know? Was it a reaction to that politicking that you saw happening in the church? No, it wasn't. It was weird because 
I was so into reading the Bible when I was like 18, 19, 20. And everything I read, all those red letters in the New Testament, were very much, you have to take care of the poor. You have to welcome strangers. You have to, you know, do these things that you would normally maybe not do. You have to take care of the outcasts. You have to, you know, take care of sick people. You have to uh, feed people. You have to, you know, everything that is now considered left-wing and socialist, that's the stuff that Jesus said. That He said that stuff. So I thought, well, I'm so confused by everything else. I'm just going to stick with this at least. I'll know that this is something that I know is right. Mm-hmm. But the Republicans were not about that stuff. They were about, you better pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And if you're homeless, what did you do to make yourself that way? I began to realize that I was politically not aligned with most of the people I knew. I was politically aligned with all the punk rock people on campus. It was a weird time for me because I had one foot in one world and one foot in the other. Like, um, I was already still carrying this big secret around about myself. You know, I was still in the closet, not ready on any level to deal with that. And so I sort of sublimated that with political activity, you know, reading liberation theologians, you know, the people from South America, Central America, who, you know, who believe that God has a preferential option for the poor and that to work with the poor, to tend to poor people, to liberate poor people, to give them, you know, lives with dignity, that is the salvation of God. Mm. And that was way beyond the pale for most of the people that I was talking to at the time. My senior year... I was then involved with a parachurch organization, the Wesley Foundation, and the guy, the pastor who ran the Wesley Foundation, this is a United Methodist thing. He said, hey, do you want to go to London? No. <laughs> you know, yes, I want to go to London. He said, you're going to take a humanities course at the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Do you want to go? So I went and I uh, had to write a paper about a social issue confronting the church. That was my semester paper. It was, that was the, the thesis thing. Mm-hmm. So I chose homosexuality in the church and what, was, what the church was responding to with gay people. If I could cover it up in this cloak of, I'm studying this. Meanwhile, I'm finally out losing my gay virginity all across London. Because it's 1989. No one knows me. Yeah, here. I lived living. This is not fun. Yeah, this is not. Fo- this is not following me back to Texas <laughs> at all. And uh, that must have been kind of a good time for you. It was dope. <laughs> I mean, just like a whole new world. Oh my god! Yeah, you're like kind of independent. I mean, I you've like, been independent for a while. I'm yeah. having sex with men. Yeah, and it's amazing. And so, um, I I remember uh, I had to read. Have you guys heard of the book, Is the Homosexual My Neighbor? Mm, yes, I've old, heard of it. Old book from like the late 70s, early 80s. Okay. Um, and that and some other you know, texts at the time from liberal uh, theologians became the basis for what I wrote this paper on. And the conclusion I made was, and this was very sincere. This wasn't just, I'm having sex with guys and now I'm just going to say anything I want. This. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. justify this. <laughs> I was still very much, I have to figure out what is real about this. Yeah, were you feeling like guilty or, or worried about it all? Or are you like, no, my theology will catch up to this? Because I, this is, I yeah. didn't, I knew that I needed to do this. Like my body was demanding <laughs> that this happen. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, my head was thinking, what if I'm wrong? Mm. Writing the paper actually really helped me because yeah. what I determined at the end of it was people who are researching this subject in good faith cannot agree. Well, who's right? I don't know. 
But it helped knowing there day, was like room for error. To this <laughs> day, least, I yeah. don't know what uh-huh. who's right about this. But I do know if I was created by God, then I'm fine. I was seeing a Christian counselor at this time. And I said to him, what if I'm gay? And he said, what if you are? I said, I'm going to hell. <laughs> He's like, how do you know? Because you don't know. What if you're gay? Go be gay. It's fine. That's so nice. What a chill counselor. Yeah. <laughs> he said, go be gay. It's fine. And I was like, wonderful counselor. You got <laughs> the United Methodist Church is going to fire you. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're um, in trouble. That's but so cool. It, sure was, that was really helpful. it was very, very helpful. Yeah. Because um, at some point, like, even if you don't agree with that community, you kind of want permission, you know, or you like, you got to lay sort it down eventually. Yeah. You cannot carry this thing around all the time mm-hmm. because. So if you pretend that you are not the thing that you are, then they're fine with you. But if you are honest about what you are, then they are not. And when I finally came out, I lost most of my Christian friends. Mm. I kept half a dozen, to this day, half a dozen. And every weird- That you're still friends with. That I'm still friends with. 30 years later, a person I know who is still my friend- Asked me if I sh- if I thought about going to Exodus. Oh yeah, this was nineteen ninety before they folded. Yeah, which is like kind of in uh, their reputation it was terrible. Yeah. Now it was like in shambles. Ninety two, ninety three. It was this like person asked me that. How did you reconcile with that person? It was at a wedding. This happened at a wedding. That's great for a uh, a friend from church. But no, I'm not going to Exodus. Oh, she was telling you that this at a wedding. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Because there's nothing wrong with me. After the wedding, I went home. And I wrote this person a letter and it was about a page long. And I said, listen, um, I've already asked myself every question you can ask. I've already interrogated myself in every possible way that you can interrogate yourself. Every queer person alive has had to ask themselves a hundred thousand questions before they ever have the bravery to say something out loud or to admit it to themselves. You did not have to ask yourself 100,000 questions. So if anyone is the expert on my life, Mm. it's me. And the burden of change Mm. is not on me, it's on you. That's a very succinct way of putting it. So. And you're friends. I was, and we are friends to this day. (laughs) That's cool. I'll tell you something. Punk rock really gives you a a, a lesson in Mm -hmm. how to like tell people to go fuck themselves. Mm -hmm. That's what I had to do. And... Leslie Phillips helped me. Hey. Well, she doesn't know it, but she did. Oh, great transition. Yeah. Um, uh, if you want to know where I am today, I will tell you only because I'm so happy to be here. Hey. Because I've spent the past 30 years not speaking a word to anyone except my husband about this subject. I don't want to hear anything about anything supernatural. And I know that means that I can't think about angels being cool and watching over me. And I know that means that there can't be any cool ghosts or, you know, the Aswang, which is like the Filipino monster, which is the best monster. Yeah. Um, Aliens? You, no, nothing. Okay. Wow. We're not in Roswell anymore. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything about anything supernatural. What that leaves me with is maybe God existed. Maybe God exists, maybe God does not. Maybe Jesus was an actual historical person, maybe he was not. And even if there was never a Jesus, maybe if if the Romans just made him up to keep the population under control, the shit they wrote is good. Those red letters are good. Those things that Jesus said, allegedly, are good. You need to liberate the poor. You need to 
fight for justice for people who are oppressed. You need to welcome refugees and strangers into your land. You need to care for people who have no power. And if you are doing those things, then you are a Christian. That's it. Love it. Boom. That's great. Hey, thanks for sharing that. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back with more Good Christian Fun. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to dive into the topic. Come on, let's go. Woo, a little loud, a little hot, Steven. A little hot. <laughs> that dude. Steven, Shh, pipe down. coming that, to that the guy. Wiltern, April 12th. We going? SCC solo. I don't know. (laughs) What do you guys want from us, listeners? Do you want us to go? I kind of want to go. We'll do it if you want. It's a Friday. Do you guys like him? Are you into Stephen Curtis Chapman? Like, not just in the off season. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your. your... I just think of him as sort of like if a if an Entenmann cream cheese Danish could sing. (laughs) There's nothing. I mean, obviously, I want to eat a whole Entenmann's cream cheese Danish. Hey, but I don't want to listen to any Stephen Curtis. Just kind of rest in that like mm, vanilla. No great adventure for you. (laughs) What else were you besides Leslie? What else were you listening to at the time? And besides Amy? Well, as you heard me karaoke from my life. Mm Mm-hmm. So sing your praise to the Lord. Right. Amy Grant was my first concert. Hey. Aww. Again, such a weird dichotomy in my head because if you had asked me at the time who I liked, I would say Devo, Talking Heads, Elvis Costello, The Clash, Black Flag, Husker Du, The Minutemen, like all those people. Mm-hmm. Because I did love all those bands, but my Christian friends could not go that way. So it's hard to participate in those fandoms when you have friends kind of keeping you. Right. But I, that was sort of like my own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but with, with my Christian friends, well, like is a strong word. I saw Petra mm-hmm. uh, live. Um, Steve Taylor. Yeah. He's okay. the worst. <laughs> Whatever happened to sin. <laughs> yeah. I liked Sheila Walsh. Did y'all know who she yeah. was? No. Scottish, real synth poppy kind of stuff. Um after like four albums of this very sort of nervy Christian new wave, she started hosting the 700 Club with Pat Robertson and dressed like a mom. It was weird. And she never has talked about like, what flipped? Interesting. She was yeah. one of the hosts of the Christian View. That guy was talking about. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, good. Yep. That was her. For her. She seems she scared. She was bringing in like the youth vote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rock the vote. <laughs> uh, and then Leslie. How did Leslie fit into all this? I was I was in Albuquerque 
with some friends, and they Albuquerque had a Christian radio station in 1983, and that was yeah. mind blowing. Um, and I heard this woman on the radio mm-hmm. singing a song about killing yourself, <laughs> and oh, I that's thought, right. yeah. I thought, what's happening? Who is this, and why? Is this on a Christian Why radio are they station? This? Yeah. The song was on the first record called Beyond Saturday Night. It came out in 1983. The song was called He's Gonna Hear You Crying. And this is yeah. the song. This is what she used to sound like. Very much just evangelical Pat Bennett talk. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the one of the biggest glow-ups in music history. Yes. From this to who Sam Phillips is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This style of singing feels like lost to time, you know? Like, it is. When the life goes down. <laughs> you know, maybe this is like 1983's equivalent of like the kind of indie voice that girl. It is. It you was. Know? Yeah. In it a way. It absolutely really was. Stylized. The pop equivalent. It absolutely was. <laughs> because now everyone wants to sing like Rihanna there's a, as they should. Oh, yeah. Because she's good. <laughs> Keep going. The, uh, there's a song on her record called Put Your Heart in Me mm-hmm. that nice. is a Come almost on. direct ripoff of Quarter Flash's Heart in My Heart. Mm-hmm. And your Chicago and her, Bulls. And her, and her vocal style is very similar to that uh, band's singer. There's so much sort of unformed about her on Incredibly. this record. And yeah. upset across the entire length of the album. Upset. She's like a scared rabbit She's, on this yeah, album. Oh, very really? unhappy. Mm-hmm. Here's what I think happened. Amy Grant paved her own lane. All right, so in the 1970s, you've got all these hippies, and no one's really thinking much about contemporary Christian music at all. It's a thing for the, the hippies. Too and busy my, dancing barefoot in Santa Monica. <laughs> and my preachers in all the churches I went to were like, don't you young people listen to that. That's not Christian. Well, it's hard to remember, too, but... From what I can piece together, like in the 80s, as far as like the market share, it was Amy, it was Sandy, Patty, and then Leslie was not far behind in number three. Yeah. Kevin, can you give us a little history on Leslie and how she got into this? Sure. So she became a Christian, uh, not because of her family, but because she like went to some thing with her brother. I was reading this encyclopedia about it and she's like, I think I'm a Christian now. Like it was like, this is about Christianity. She was always someone who was like very well read and very intelligent and articulate. But for the first three, three and a half albums, basically she's doing this like, like just kind of like Christian poppy stuff. And she does write some of her own stuff. She's not like, she wrote almost all her own songs. Yeah. All those albums. Which is not true of Sandy or Amy. So, and I think of her primarily, and she thinks of herself primarily as a songwriter, not like a singer. And then I write my own songs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. So she does this and then she starts to get very disillusioned with the industry. And, and then that culminates in the turning, which is the album we're talking about today. The turning is essentially a breakup album with Christianity yeah. uh, produced by her future husband at the time, ex-husband now T-Bone Burnett, who you must know from everything. Uh, Caroline, you know him as the true detective theme song guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
fuck you. But also, I, when one of the songs came on and I was like, I was thought I was being witty. I was like, sounds like a true detective theme song. And then I looked it up later. I was just like, oh my God, I need to get more history. <laughs> and T-Bone um, Burnett himself, also very Christian, but uh, he produces this album for her. He's got a very cool, unique sound too. Like a twangy, uh, old, slow country yeah. that I really like. Nobody doesn't respect T-Bone Burnett like on any side of the aisle or genre Mm -hmm. genre wise uh, the way she gets out of her contract with What's her the best. Okay, yeah, I think I think we have the same info. Yeah, she, I was gonna read it. Yeah, too. Oh, um, go ahead and read it. Oh, okay. So my record company was demanding dishonesty for me, saying weird things like, "This song just sounds a little too sexy. We don't know why, but you've got to change it." <laughs> <laughs> she said, "But it was a good parting of the ways." Oh, frick! Hold on, that was not the quote. I have the rest of it. If Do you, you have it? It's Go right read it. Go for notes. it. Yeah, thank you. And so we don't know how you're supposed to change it. At that point, it just got ridiculous. I said, this is ludicrous. I'm not going to continue with this label. At first, they were upset and said, you have to. You're under contract. I was selling well enough for them that they didn't want to let me go. But I said, there's a morals clause in my contract. And you know what? I've slept with someone that I'm not married to. And I'm not ashamed to tell anybody about that. And I will. They said, okay, you're free to go. You're out of your contract. Boom. That's how easy it was to get out of it. That's how silly it was. That Just yes, like the contract that, that Dave signed at the youth group all yeah. those years ago. And moral clause. Morals clauses are typical, though, not just in Christian industries, but across like... In journalism, especially for like on-air talent, it is probably more intense, obviously, in Christian industries than it is there. But morals clauses themselves aren't terribly uncommon. But it is like just a (laughs) super badass move (laughs) that that's how she breaks it and gets out. Because do we even know if she was bluffing or not we don't know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter um, she just I'm sorry like, I've seen her album what? covers she, this girl she, hey, she's yo, going what? <laughs> I'm around I fuck now <laughs> and I'm gonna tell everybody that I fuck now yeah I think that's so great <laughs> so it definitely is the other side of the coin of Amy kind of segues very smoothly and gracefully into a secular uh, market and then kind of goes back and forth for the rest of her career mm-hmm. Leslie crashes the plane, yeah. sets the plane on fire, <laughs> walks away from it, and changes her name <laughs> yes. to Sam, which was her childhood nickname, yep. and she reverts back to that. But this album itself, ironically, is her most acclaimed out of all that she did of her Christian albums, produced by T-Bone. Also, she finally figured out her voice, mm-hmm. which before was just like, bleh, bleh, bleh. and then she starts singing in her lower so register. So high up the register, she sang in those first three albums in such a high register that you could hear the strain in her voice. Yeah. And the like, the, there was this sort of screeching quality at times. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, it sounded like it should, like th- that was what it should sound like. But you could feel things just falling apart on the as the albums came along. The songs became less introspective and more like sing-songy praise songs. Clearly, Word Records was like, "Mm, can't you write something based on some psalms or whatever? And so she did. Again, I wasn't in these meetings, so I don't know what really happened. But as a listener, I remember feeling seen by the first record. Mm. I was 19. And it was such a distress. There was so much distress 
in the lyrics. So much worry and fear about, am I being a Christian the right way? And as the albums went on, there was still that, that quality of interrogating myself very harshly. And then the turning came out. I felt seen again. Yeah. Because it's a harrowing record. This uh, uh, album was rated number eight on the top 100 CCM albums of all time by CCM Magazine. Whoa. Uh, a lot of critical acclaim that wasn't exclusively Christian. Also, if it, I don't know if we made this point before, but in, in case it wasn't clear, she is, uh, she is the voice of Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah. What? She, <laughs> yes. she scored. Yeah, and you would bring this up the every Gilmore once in a while, right? Show, like, yeah. did you know, by the way, right. she used to be Christian. To you? No, just like on Gilmore Guys. Uh, well, yeah, I actually wasn't as much, uh, I was not as knowledgeable. So this is the rare subject of a podcast that I've already interviewed her before. Right, I right. interviewed her four years oh, ago. I totally forgot about this. For, yeah. for Gilmore Guys. What yeah. was that like? Well, it was our first interview that we did with people involved with the show oh, okay. so i feel like it's bad oh. <laughs> like my interviewing is bad and there was a part at which i did bring up like you know just the most half-ass wikipedia internet research like oh you know and i know they called you the christian cindy lopper blah blah yeah. blah 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 and they they later asked me to take it out of the interview. Oh, because she was like, I just don't want to talk about yeah. that thing anymore. Yeah, fair. And it's like, and I didn't what interrogate did she... it in any interesting way. She just pivoted real quick. It wasn't like okay. awkward in the room or anything. Yeah. Like, how dare you? Like, it, it was not strange and you wouldn't have even known it, but I didn't even have a follow-up. I just kind of like, it was just, I would definitely prep and do the interview differently yeah. if I if I did it. Uh, again today because again we didn't talk about anything that was like germane to that stuff and now I would have so many questions and I I think I'd be able to deliver them in a way that wasn't just like well thanks for this dead fish on my doorstep of a question it stinks I don't You've know what to do with it you come a long way from your Katie Hudson interview <laughs> and so oh boy that was awesome it was like Chris Farley show you listened to I listened it? to that episode recently just because I knew I was coming here uh huh and um it sounds fine it's, it sounds good. It's probably fine. It it's is. one of those things I can't listen to. You don't again. want to hear it because I'll, you did it, but yeah. it sounds good. <laughs> but I will say my takeaway and memory from that time was that she is one of the coolest women I've ever met in yeah. my yeah. life. Because I saw her then, I saw her at a different thing, like maybe a year, year and a half later. And she's just like a very, but just like a total, she's a badass. Like she did the thing that so many people wanted to do. Like her music has aged with the audience in a very profound way. It really has. The stuff that yeah. she put out last year, like yep. her album last year yep. was excellent. Yeah. Wow. Like up there with stuff from- She's fantastic. Yeah. Did you know she lives in Pasadena now? She's in Currently. Pasadena now? Yes. I didn't know she was in the Dina her now. I go see her every time she's at Largo. Hi. I'm a I'm still a huge fan to this day. I have a quote another quote from her. Please yeah. from a two thousand one interview. And I think this will explain why the expression Christian Cindy Lopper does not want to follow her around. No. I'm sure uh, oh gosh. She said, uh the reason for the name change was that I was unhappy with most of the records that I made for Word. I was just learning to play and write when I signed that deal. To me, those records are kind of like pictures from junior high school. Not Aww. very attractive. I wanted to start over and earn the trust of an audience. I wanted to grow as an artist. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's hard to do. And I definitely don't want some dumb schmuck on his dumbass <laughs> podcast to bring up that phrase. <laughs> Fourteen well, I found years a picture from of you now. With braces. Do you remember being <laughs> ugly as fuck? Because <laughs> if I'd said, "Hey, I love the turning," because the turning, the turning holds up. I feel like from oh, a, absolutely from Let's a, listen to some of from it from a songwriting standpoint. Uh, the first, you okay? The first song on the album is a cover of a song that T-Bone wrote called River of Love. There's a river of love that runs through all times But there's a river of grief that floods through our lives It starts when a heart is broken into by the thief of belief in which for the time felt pretty radical given the last three albums that she had done for it to just be her and the guitar but just strip it down to like yeah what are you doing just do like just get all the nonsense out of the way that record starts and there's this immediate sense of foreboding Mm -hmm. Um, and the lyrics this one's coming up she says not of this next she says I almost made you happy and it's chilling yeah because what she's saying on this record is I failed I failed to do the thing that you expected me to do Mm -hmm. yeah here it is first step was hard but I've had trouble with them all I almost made you happy. It's painful. Yeah. It is a painful record. It's so interesting, too, because this is a voice that I ostensibly grew up with in a totally different context. Yep. So I was not familiar with her, even as Sam Phillips, the recording artist, but, right. you know, she was just the woman whose lalas I heard on TV all the time. And then I listened, like, I downloaded, uh, I think, the Boot and a Shoe record from yep. 2004 and some of the other stuff. The divorce record. Yeah, the divorce <laughs> record. Yeah, from T-Bone. Yeah. Um, so I knew her from that. So then revisiting this, because I started listening to these, because uh, I knew at some point we talk about it on the podcast. So I just had this phase maybe a couple months ago where I, I listened to all these all the way through. And something about hearing the voice recontextualized here was very uh, profoundly touching to me because it felt like a, a friend of mine. And I like yeah. discovered their old diaries. And I'm like, I had no idea you went through all this mm. stuff. Or like someone like a like a family member or a friend, and, and you're discovering things about them that you didn't know. So it resonates much more than like, oh yeah, Stephen Kershaw, whatever, you know. But yeah. it's like, oh, you had this whole life. You've lived a lot of life. And I and I didn't even know about it. No. Yeah. Mm. So putting it. there's another song on the record that is for me the most entertaining on the record because it's called Expectations, and it begins with her singing in a lower register and giggling, and then jumping up to that older mm-hmm. high register again. And the lyrics are literally like, fuck all of you. Yeah. I'm out of here. 
<laughs> I know. I was it's like, oh, this is crazy. the classic uh, this is middle a, finger to the record company yeah. song. <laughs> you choking. We've done a lot of those on this me. show. There are quite yeah. a few. This the album. Almost parts of it feel sarcastic. Uh, this song particularly. Yes. yes, I like this song. Ducktales. Woo! Well, let's wait for the jump. Yeah. So it's like she's making fun of herself. It in a feels way. like that because she never does this kind of right. stuff again in her career. Oh, you want to hear the old me? Here's the old me. Yeah. Motherfuckers, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys yeah. think God is watching you sounded sarcastic too? No. 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 This feels like the last like death rattle of like her fundamentalism to me. I have a whole thing about this song. Please. Let's L- listen let's a little listen bit. Again. Yeah. Yeah, what did it sound like to you? I don't know. Now that I'm reading the lyrics again, I guess it's not really fundamentalist at all. I guess it's the God is watching you thing. Like the first half are actually a lot of like comforting things of like when you're alone, when you do the right thing and no one's watching, when you are being evil actually too, and like you're using force for no reason and mm-hmm. things like that. Like God is watching you. It's a weird, uh, you know, surveillance state idea of God that I really like. Well, it's an interesting idea because I feel like it's delivered in such this measured calm arrangement and voice and tone and then it is it's almost like calling the bluff of Christianity like if we believe God is omniscient and he cares about us and he's watching everything that's happening okay what does that mean it means he's watching when you're doing this and this and then it's like alternatingly comforting and terrifying (laughs) so that's why parts of it feel almost kind of bitter because it's like it's almost like she's saying, think it through. Is this really what's happening? And she's not even saying it's not. But it's like, it, this is what we have to own up to yeah. in some ways. Is it really happening? And is this really what you want? Yeah. There's comfort. There's this one line in the song, which is, when you wake up in the night. And that's yeah. always, when any, when you wake up in the night, what's the first thing you start thinking about? Every terrible thing panic. you ever did. <laughs> every panic <laughs> moment you ever had. And that's a moment of, of comfort. Right? Yeah. But then there's this other stuff where when you don't feel remorse, God when is you watching hide your you. your head in the sand. When you, uh, when love requires that you give in. When out of fear you judge your friend. Yeah. And then. Been there. The very last line <laughs> of the very last re- song on yeah. this record is when you say your last goodbye. Yeah. That's the last lyric of the last song on her last record for this record company. This is, this, this is a great, like, farewell, and like, is, peace. And is God going to intervene mm-hmm. in this situation? Or is God just, like in an Ingmar Bergman film, yeah. silently watching? Doesn't need to do not, anything but and watch. And not doing anything yeah. and letting you go down your own path for good or bad. Yeah, because I guess it's not commenting on the, it's not a value judgment on, like, the actions of God. It's just, like, no. the facts of God of, like, yeah, he's watching. Maybe he'll save you, maybe not. Gotta love love is not lost, which is just like '60s girl group stuff. That was the big yeah. Christian radio hit. Yeah, at that time. and it's a yeah. remake, 
of the same song that she did on Black and White World, which oh. sounds much worse on the, oh, on the other. Funny. Yeah, this is so boppy and like yeah. fun. But even here, the lyrics are pretty sardonic about mm-hmm. relationships. So this to me sounds like I can I can draw a straight line between this and Sam Phillips now. Yeah. Where it's like this sort of stuff and, and definitely like the 60s sort of girl acid pop that was mm-hmm. a part of those first three albums. Right. Is right. definitely present here. Even like Libera Me. That was the like other that. thing that was this, on Christian radio at the time. This feels like a cold open to Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. The instrumentation on this record is also incredibly different from everything that came before. Mm-hmm. Everything is very spare and very stripped down and unusual noises happening throughout, like backwards guitars and this very sort of like spooky sort of hollowed out percussion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after these three records of people pushing her around, she's finally got like T-Bone Burnett enforcer <laughs> in her corner mm-hmm. being like, no, 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 we're going to do it like this yeah, again. I wasn't in these meetings, mm-hmm. but in my head, that's how her, it happened. Like, here's how they Earning went. her cred, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this way. Yeah, and one, I feel like she always had, like, uh, to varying degrees, inklings of curiosity present in her songwriting uh, that maybe some of her peers didn't, but this feels like, it, at least in the Christian, the Leslie Phillips iteration, the, the purest expression right. of it. In the 80s, she was the Amy Grant for people who thought Amy Grant was too soft. Mm-hmm. If you were, if you considered yourself to be sort of more thoughtful, you wanted something a little edgier, you know, that she was the one you went for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's this great story about uh, when she was playing songs at a concert. Do do you know this story? I know this story. Yeah. So, uh, so many versions of this story are out in the world that I don't know what really happened. This is the closest thing CCM has to the, uh, gosh, what's the folk festival? It's the Newport Folk Festival where Dylan went electric in 1965. <laughs> yes, Knott's Berry so Farm. This is the closest thing that happens. <laughs> she was playing a concert at Knott's Berry Farm here in Southern California. Wow, okay. And she was, uh, according to the reports, wearing a slightly shorter skirt than usual. And she was playing songs from this. And people started booing her, and they walked out, some stormed out, and then she canceled her tour because of the crappy reception to the new Whoa, stuff. Oh, yeah. that's so sad. It sucks. It's not yeah. Berry Farm? The yeah, you're place supposed to have fun there. Snoopy's there. I have Snoopy. A big... Yeah. <laughs> he loves CCM. They do. They have a peanuts section of the fountain. Uh, do you think Leslie Phillips should experiment, Snoopy? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's that Snoopy voice? It's like it's, it's not yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. like how you sound. Yeah, okay. Just all the time. <laughs> right, but I a little a vague, dog. I have a vague memory of reading in CCM magazine a, a, a little report on that show, where apparently, and I can't, I can't get anybody to confirm this, mm-hmm. that. She sang a cover of Bob Dylan's It Ain't Me, Babe. Oh, yeah. Which oh. is like the ultimate kiss-off song of all time. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that happened, but I read that it did. And I want it to be true. That sounds cool. I want I she that would. to be true. Why wouldn't she? 
Um, I found another quote from that same interview where, that we did quoted earlier. And I feel like it kind of encapsulated a little bit like her experience and then like the wider CCM experience of kind of like you're in or out. And she said at the time, and this is probably a little bit before this record, she says, I was an idiot. I was <laughs> egotistical. I thought, oh, I can save the world. Sure, no problem. I'm up for it. And I can not only make music, but afterwards I can talk to people who need professional counseling and help them. <laughs> and I was put in a position where I was supposed to live my life as an example for other people. There was not so much pressure to be not exactly perfect, but a very weird version of perfect. So when freedom came, when the mystics came blowing through my world, it was such a relief. I hung on to those writers, especially Thomas Merton. He's the only one who's fully resonated. She goes on to talk about kind of her transition out of fundamentalist Christianity into more of like spiritual mystic Christianity and, and wah, like wah, woo woo, wah, wah, woo, like you know, goo goo, you know, abracadabra Christianity. <laughs> but no, like, uh, and she talks about how like she connects with Zen or yoga, but like still believes that this is all part of it too. Yeah. And so. Um, but I, I, I felt like that it reminded me of what, um, Lee Nash had said too, and being in Sixpence on the Richer and kind of how they felt like, oh, you're not telling me to act like I don't sin, but you are kind of telling me I can, I have to act like I've never had sex or something right. like that, you know, and right. be cool about it and be normal. And so. I don't know how it is now, but back in the day, a lot of these folks played in churches. Yeah. I don't know how it is. No, either. And I'm, you yeah. were able to just go up to them and talk after the show mm-hmm. and lay out all your problems if you felt yeah. like it. <laughs> well, at least in like the, a lot of these 90s concerts too, there were like straight up, you know, altar calls where they like encouraged yeah. you to get saved and encouraged yeah. you to talk to someone afterward. And it was like the concert was a front for a church service to yes. like get people Absolutely. saved and like connected with the church. Yeah. And so, it, was fr- it was a scheme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, all jazzed up on I'd rock. love to tell you about Amway <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Would you like I, to hear about that? I yeah. totally could feel that. And I think like, and I think a lot of the artists who are very sincere, like they really do want to help people and right. talk to them and connect yeah. them, whatever. And so yeah. I uh, see her being in that position. She didn't she just wanted to write songs i think you know like yeah. i feel like that was and she, and she wanted to save people too is that what she said yeah oh, yeah. yeah she was like i i oh, was yeah. egotistical i thought could i could help people one of the lyrical like needed counseling one of the lyrical motifs on the first three records are i have to witness to people i have to save people mm-hmm. and there's this extremely painful anxiety surrounding that topic mm-hmm. on Song after song after song yeah. on those first three records. Well, Gina, that's a song yeah. she wrote about a friend, a friend of hers that got, got in a car wreck and died, and it's about her expressing remorse about <laughs> not saving her. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, so stuff yeah. like that. Okay, yeah, so. So all of she that. She did. Right, <laughs> yeah. She's also a songwriter. <laughs> right. You can have both. Yeah. So all of that for me personally, like finding her record in 1983 and then hearing this one in 1987, I listened to the whole thing, and what I really heard was... I'm getting out of here. Do you want to get out of here? Let's get out of here. Oh, yeah. What, I mean, what is the turning if not that? And I thought, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and so I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really, wow. It was such a good it companion was that personal, for you at that time. Mm-hmm. That personal and that timely yeah. for me. Yeah. I think it's some of the best music, like the best experiences I've had with music in my life and, and how it's been not just like, Nice wallpaper or a nice right. entertainment, but yeah, like a like a friend in mm-hmm. that sense and a, and a companion. Um, the the title track, the turning. What did you guys make of the course? Like, what was your interpretation of it? When it turns on me, don't let it turn me. I think there's still a desire, and there's still that residual fear of being wrong mm-hmm. that 
want to be kept inside that structure. Mm-hmm. When everything feels like it's falling apart, you're still thinking, everything's falling apart, but I have to stay somehow. Yeah. Help me stay. Yeah. And does it work? Well, who knows? So you're seeing it more as a narrative as someone who doesn't want to be changed and doesn't want to leave like the comfort and safety. There's a lot of, of comfort and safety there. Yeah. As, as painful as it can often be and as ugly as it can often be and as oppressive as it can be, I've always had this terrible uh, thing for lunch and that's what I know mm-hmm. and I'm going to just keep eating it. Yeah. Because that's what I know. Don't try to make me like something different or better. So the turning was really about her stomach turning. It was about her stomach turning, yes. <laughs> wow. It was about IBS, really. <laughs> the yeah. turning is about IBS. <laughs> you heard it here on the GCF podcast. Oh, my gosh. I, I think, like, looking at it again now, and this is what I thought when I heard it, too, was just, like, when life turns on me or when things get hard or, like, my right. faith doesn't feel very strong, don't let me walk away, right. basically. Yeah, keep me. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know... Uh, From burning at to the same time, turned to mm-hmm. a heart of granite. Amy Grant had a record out at the same time uh, with a song on it called Where Do You Hide Your Heart? And the lyrics to the, that song, the chorus is, he'll never let you go. No matter what happens to you, God will never let you go. Mm-hmm. That's a more defiant sort of statement of, of protection mm-hmm. than this. Mm-hmm. This is, I may not feel... This yeah, protection. Like, I feel like and I'm I don't slipping. even know maybe if I want it. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean to me if I don't want it? Like, am I, are you going to keep me even if I don't want this? Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to our final judgments about the turning. You know the way this works. Dave. I do. The way this works is we give it a thumbs up or thumbs down or a side thumb. Holy toast, thumbs up. We send Leslie to heaven. <laughs> I guess she already is because Leslie doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Holy roast, we send her to hell. <laughs> or she's in the space between. Caroline, we'll start with you. Oh man, I I really didn't think ahead of what I would get this because like it, it's one of those albums again where I didn't grow up with this, <laughs> so like the nostalgia factor isn't there for me, and right. the style is like not my favorite. Right. Um, but uh, but that's it. There were like a couple songs in there that I was like, okay, I'm grooving to this. Like I like this, and I think the lyrics are interesting, and um, I, I appreciated like the complexity of the album and what she was trying to say, and then just reading into her and like hearing about her life. I, I really like her. I think she's a really interesting person, and she's very. It's extremely smart and like pulls from so many different worlds and references. You can just tell like this is a person that has like read a lot and thought a lot and like can pull from that whole world and um and also does an amazing job of like having an opinion but also being like it doesn't really matter to me if I get theology right or I don't think that's the point of it and so I'm not going to try to like convince you how smart I am about it or something. And so I just I just like her. I think she's really cool. And I'll I'll um we should link to this article in the show notes about it and you can kind of read more in detail of like her faith journey stuff because she was pretty explicit about it. It was interesting. That was an interview where I had the dunk I thought of like she's read a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> I know cuz she talks about the writers a lot. She yeah. talks about like Chesterton and C C. S. Lewis and everything. I was gonna yep. say C. H. Lewis. I was like, Louis C. K. C. S. Louis C. K. One of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So holy toast. 
Holy toast, Dave. See you in hell, Leslie Phillips. <laughs> what? Bye. No. Canceled. <laughs> there is no She's hell. She's canceled. <laughs> she canceled herself. Uh, Holy cancel. Yeah, That's another no hell. category. There is uh, this, this. The turning is going straight to heaven. The other three albums are in the space between because she was trying. Yes. She was trying. And, um, there's, and, there's the, and the I Christian like music industry is actually going to hell because if they cared enough about artists and giving them the space to become the artists they needed to be hey. rather than making money, she might still actually be in this world. Probably not. But she would have had a, a, a less violent transition out, mm, I think. Yeah. And it would have been fine. But it's not because contemporary conservative evangelical Christianity is a prison. Well, lock me up, baby. <laughs> ting, ting, is it Guard. your time yet? <laughs> uh, Kevin's like, put me in the hole. Oh, no, don't put these handcuffs on me. I'd hate solitary confinement. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. Uh, to that point, and about uh, Leslie's violent transition out of it, I too, of course, am going to give this a holy toast, but I do want to quote an interview that she did with Tom Granger of CCM when he asked Phillips in an uncomfortable interview if she had any parting words for the contemporary Christian music industry, she replied, think about what you're doing, how you're affecting people, and why you're doing this. So ominous. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And then she evaporated in a cloud of smoke and left the room. That's what it feels like. I will say, she is my favorite CCM artist to play uh, the mute wife of Jeremy Irons yeah. in a Die Hard yeah. movie. That's right. Yeah. She's a little terrorist in oh, yeah. Die Hard with the Vengeance. Oh, yeah. I love Leslie Phillips. I love uh, Sam Phillips. Both. Always. Yes. <laughs> Ride or die. <laughs> yeah. I think um, the love of Sam informed the love of Leslie, but it's fun to see... It's almost like the happy ending of of an artist take place because with these people, this happens all the time. Ever, like we've talked about artists and bands of whom this has been the arc, but this felt like the most in control and the most of agency an artist has ended because mm-hmm. the others, it either faded away or it's like, well, all of a sudden, Joy Williams is in the Civil Wars now or something like that. Right. Whereas this was cool to just see a person just take it and just be like, nope, this is what I'm doing, then drop the mic and leave, and then continue to make great music for the rest of her life. So, holy toast. Uh, but go to Christian Fun Pod at Christian Fun Pod on Twitter. You can vote for it for the turning or the burning uh, going to hell. <laughs> Get out there and. Pokemon, go to the polls. Or the yearning. Or the yearning. In the space between. Or the churning. <laughs> All right, let's bring it down now. It's an altar call, altar call time. Dave, this is the part on the show where we endorse Walter Mondale. (laughs) Once and for all. And Geraldine Ferraro, do not forget. That's right. Yeah. We pray for Alexandra Mm Ocasio-Cortez, that she sees the light. We pray for Beto's digestive system. We pray for Cory Booker's White House wedding with Rosario Dawson. Oh, yeah. We pray for Elizabeth Warren. That's my Elizabeth Warren impression. That's great. To stop talking about the Native American stuff. Yeah. We pray for, oh gosh, all of them. We pray for their souls. Mm. 
And we lift up the things we're working on and, and our own social media handles. We don't promote it. And we start with Caroline. You can lift me up to the Lord uh, at Caroline's Farts on Twitter and Instagram. And this week, I would like to lift up a podcast that I enjoyed so much. Is it cereal? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no, she's erasing her notes. <laughs> uh, the Dropout, uh, ABC News did it. It's about Elizabeth uh, from Theranos and talking about the history of Theranos. And I know an HBO documentary just came out, too, about it. Yeah. Um, but I listened to this first, and it was just so good and man I love hearing about scams and how they happen (laughs) and they got great interviews it's really well made it's short I think it's like six or seven episodes so if you're looking for a new podcast like that um, listen to the dropout it was great I heard that was terrific yeah you love scams so much you put the word in your cat's name (laughs) oh my god I never thought about that I'll tell you what she's running a scam on you and Nate in the groceries department (laughs) she is Scariest. She's been skimming off the top of our cereal bowls. Uh, we turn it to Dave. Uh, you can lift me up at D. Leland White. My middle name is Leland. Great so name. And there's 37 million Dave Whites in the world. <laughs> so I had to just throw my old-timey oh, yeah. middle name into it. Oh, can I tell you a quick story about your name? Yeah. When I read the note that this is what we were doing this week, that's why I thought it was a movie, because I assumed it was Dave White of Pure Flix. Oh, no. Oh, that dude, yeah. David oh, R. White. Oh, David yeah. A. R. White. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, man. Uh, yeah. So that's a big one you have to contend with, I'm sure. Is that not the first I, time you I've guys have been mixed ne- up? <laughs> we have never been mixed up. <laughs> Although we did sit two rows apart from each other at the Hillsong premiere. Oh, my the, gosh. The, the documentary. Oh, the documentary? About the, yeah. Oh. Yeah, because I had to review it for the rap. Oh. I'm going to read it. Not a shitty movie, actually. No. Not terrible. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, D. Leland White. That's me on Twitter. Yes. And Instagram and <laughs> fuck Facebook. But uh, I... Have you guys logged on to fuck Facebook? <laughs> it's Recently. where you go to just make fuck buddy friends. Yeah. Yeah. Really racist. Hey, the, when you uh, poke, it's bad. <laughs> uh, I need to lift up my own podcast uh, called Linoleum Knife. Hey. Yes. I am a film critic. So is my husband, Alonzo Duralde. I think we might be the only married film critics in the United States. Oh my gosh, really? We have done this podcast for nine years. We review the current cinema on it. Uh, and I would like to uh, lift up a book. Please. It's called They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us. Mm. It's by a writer named uh, Hanif Abdurraqib, and he's a poet and a cultural critic. And it's a collection of essays about stuff in pop culture right now. Uh, an article, There's an essay about Serena Williams. There's an article, there's an essay about Migos. Mm. There's one about going to a Carly Rae Jepsen concert, which is chef's kiss. So nice. Uh, he's And about him being stopped by the police. He's black. And uh, about his first police stop. It's a great book. Mm. And it's just about his life and, and, and his interactions with popular culture. Great lift up. You lift me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. And I will lift up another... T-Bone Burnett joint called Raising Sand, which was a collaborative album between Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin and Alison Krauss back in 2007. That was one of my 
Favorite, it probably would have been my favorite album that year if Bruce hadn't put out an album and I wasn't 17 years old <laughs> and loved anything he did at that time. Uh, but there, there is a Sam Phillips song on there called Sister Rosetta Goes Before Us. If you want to hear Alison Krauss do a very badass cover cool. of Sam Phillips and T-Bone Burnett, I'm sure, kind of put that on their plate. And yeah, it's a great album. Very muddy and swampy sounding, but very romantic too. Like? Like my butt? True detective. Oh, I see. <laughs> I thought you were gesturing towards. No, but it is good to know your butt is swampy and muddy. Are True you detective season dog? four. <laughs> you can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. Patreon.com slash good Christian Fun. You can go to iTunes slash Apple Pod- Podcasts. Podcasts. Kid Kiss. Leave us a review. Every review you leave, we donate $1 to Charity Water. Dave White, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us Dave, on the show. Coming. Thank you for having what me. What a pleasure. I've been Thanks so for excited sharing to be this, this time with us. And there's nothing left to say except for, and all of Pod's people said, Amen. 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 Uh, I'm gonna, let's go out with uh, this Sam Phillips song. This song rocks. It's one of our lesser known ones. <laughs> Nice. It's like a country lullaby kind mm-hmm. of song. Fascination looking through the night. Oh, I'm just remember I did a cover of this in Brooklyn like five years ago. What do you for, mean in Brooklyn? For one of our shows. On the yes. No, we did a show there, and I remember we you actually made everyone did this. stop and listen to you sing a slow ballad hey! on the <laughs> guitar you know at the fun comedy show they went to. Oh. Gosh, I'm going to be turning your head around. You know what? Your Honestly, neck. they probably loved it. They were like licking your boots Whatever. while you did it. Right, Good we'll for see you. you next week. <laughs> 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 I'm just trying to tell an anecdote. <laughs> Turns into. Uh, oh. <laughs> no, that was great. I'm sure it was fun. Everyone loves stopping comedy for singing. <laughs> Everyone, no, I'm keeping this in. Everyone loves stopping comedy for singing. That's why I stopped doing the intros, because I know how people feel about singing. Well, that was, those were funny songs. What? Well, <laughs> stop by for that. those. See you next great. week. Goodbye. I love those. <laughs> but I'm reflecting like. Oh, hi, y'all. It's me, Amy Grant. Okay. Oh, I'm feeling better. Thanks for asking. Got a little rest this weekend. A little R&R with Vincey Poo. Um, oh, what am I doing here again? Oh, yeah. Next week, next week. Uh, next week on GCF, Kevin and Caroline are talking about Kirk Franklin. I and the family. And New Nation, all the stuff. It's all Kirk Franklin stuff. It's real fun. Uh, they already recorded it, but uh, they had a blast. Kevin, in particular, laughed really hard at one point. <laughs> that was visual in nature, but uh, I, uh, he says you, he thinks you'll still have a good time. That's what he imparted to me to tell to you. I do not like the power dynamics and structures of podcasting. This sucks. <laughs> I'm a queen of a certain genre of music, but here I'm just like a PA or something. This blows, whatever. Anyway, I don't mean to be negative. Uh, Amy, Mother and Grant, over and out. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>